Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Rebecca Mazzino and with me is Tara Tuttle and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi and welcome to this week's show. This week is part two of Recipe Clutter. If you haven't listened to last week's, we suggest you go back and have a listen to that where we talked about what is recipe clutter and why we have a tendency to collect recipe books or clippings of recipes and today we're going to have a chat about a better way to organize and store them and declutter anything that you don't want. Yeah now last week if you've listened to last week's I said that I had about seven cookbooks and so in between recordings I decided to actually be honest and count them and I I have 12 so that's my confession there I have more than I thought I had. So uh, a couple like a couple of novelty ones like my Wookie and other galactic scones um, book <laughs> is probably not one that's used a great deal. It is kept more for the fun of it. But the others are, you know, my more serious cookbooks and more likely to be to be used. So yeah, twelve more than I thought. Hmm, that's still pretty good though. That would be less than average, I would say. I would say so. I, I think based on what I see with my clients. That said, my clients all have just by nature of being my clients have a tendency to have more than average of belongings. Mm. But uh, I think that, yeah, I probably do have, for a woman my age, I probably do have a little bit less mm-hmm. than average. But we'll find out in our Facebook community group. We should do a little poll. Yeah, absolutely. Confession time. Mm-hmm. So if we have a lot of recipe clutter, be it loose clippings, well, actually, let's start with books. Let's start yeah. with hard cover or soft cover actual hard copy books um, that you have what's the best way to organize them or store them do you think so bookshelves would be the are always the best place to store books standing up not laying down unless they're ginormous and they have to lay down but books on a shelf are much more accessible than most other places because you can see them all and you can group them and and sort them in order so that they're easy to retrieve and if you can keep them all in the one place, that's even better. For me personally, my cookbooks that I have double as coffee table books because mm-hmm. I used to keep pretty books as coffee table books. But I was never interested in what was inside them. They just looked like pretty books. Uh, yeah. Um, so now I rotate probably once a week, once a fortnight, I will rotate the books on my couple of coffee tables and I put cookbooks on there. And one of the reasons I do that is because I'll often sit down at my coffee table with a cup of tea and sometimes have my phone, but often I will just grab the recipe book and have a flick through it. And that's where I get inspiration for what I'm going to cook for dinner, either that week or the following week, if I need something, you know, that I don't have at home recipe wise. And so I feel like because they are right in front of me and I pick them up, I use them a lot. And so, yeah. That might, I sh- maybe I should swap my philosophy books on my coffee table for cookbooks. It might actually make me cook <laughs> or want maybe. to cook something different to the main 10 meals that we have on high rotation. <laughs> maybe. Well, see, and that's the thing. I think, I think as well, for some people, it depends how they shop. And we will do a whole episode on meal planning at some point. But I buy um, seasonally and whatever's at the market. So I was at the market mm. this morning. And it's, you know, it's autumn here, it's harvest time, there's heaps of pumpkin and squash and corn and that kind of thing. And so I will buy what I think looks good 
And then I come home and go, okay, great. Now I've got all this pumpkin. What on earth am I going to do with it? So then I will look in my recipe books and try and find recipes that I could use with pumpkin. Um, Mm. Rather than, you know, a lot of people do it the other way around, find a recipe first and then buy the ingredients. But um, I think the idea with books, you just got to have them where you can see them. Because if you don't look at them or pick them up, they're never going to be used. That's true. Uh, for me, because I can't really see mine all the time, hence why I didn't really know how many I had. Uh, for me, I go looking for cookbooks, not not bec- not out of any general interest, like you sort of do to, to get mm-hmm. inspired. I go to them when I'm like, okay, I've got something I want to make and I need a recipe for it. And so then I just go directly to it. But I think I could possibly use it as inspiration as well. If you if you have to store your books in boxes or in tubs in the shed or under the bed or you know up high in the cupboard, that's not going to be very helpful for you. It's not going to be a useful storage place because you won't be able to get to them easily. Just like Tara was saying about la- last week, how she didn't use the book the books that were up really high in her kitchen the same is going to happen to you if you put them away in boxes is that you're not going to ever go to them and then they're just a waste of space after that if you're not going to use them okay so let's move on to loose recipe clippings so be it off the back of a packet or out of a magazine or something you've printed off the internet how would you store loose recipe clippings to save them from all floating around drawers Mm. and files I personally keep mine in display books with plastic sleeves, so mm-hmm. I just slide them into those. I, I kind of had a notebook going for a while, but it got too fat and that, that annoyed me, so I discarded that idea. But that's another option as well is that you can actually have a notebook where you either write in your recipes or you stick them in. That's the method that you use, isn't it? Mm, yep. And I think with that, you have to have a think about how you might like to search for your recipes because I know you can get specific notebooks or recipe keeping books that have different tab dividers so it might have soups and like a chunk of pages Mm. blank pages for soups and then meat or desserts or whatever and then you would either write or put your clippings in the designated spot and if you think like that and would search like that then those kind of tabbed notebooks or labeled notebooks would be really handy but for me I'm a bit haphazard so um I just have mine (laughs) all stuck in random order but I know roughly because I don't because they don't get a it's a very hallowed place to be in my proper notebook (laughs) so they have to be tried at least a couple of times before they'll yeah they'll get in there so you know where they are in the notebook because you've used them a few times yeah yeah I have uh, in my my display books I don't have them ordered but I do have two books and one is for things that Mick makes and the other one is things that I make so Mm -hmm. they're split up that way so that we can reach for our own because I didn't you know having I don't know having them mixed up was just a bit annoying and it was easier for me to just say to me yours are in the black one and mine are in the green one and it's just easy for us to find Mm -hmm. them at the moment my display my binder has fallen apart (laughs) so it's all in a stack of loose sleeves sitting on top of my um, book um, on top of my other books at the moment but normally it's in a binder that actually 
holds itself together. <laughs> this mm-hmm. one just fell apart and it was too hard to fix. So, yeah, but what you can do as well is if you have a notebook or a binder or a display book is you can actually just buy those little sticker flags and you can mm. use those to put, you know, maybe you can just, if you just want to highlight your favourites so they're quick to go to, you can just make little red little red ones and put the stickers on the favourite ones or you can flag them all in a colour that's based on that group and that means that by using the flags in a display book where it's difficult or well not difficult but it's it's laborious to change the order of things mm-hmm. then you don't have to actually keep reorganizing and resorting the folder all the time because you can just put the tabs on and you know just leave it like that you don't have to actually put everything in a new order so those tabs can be useful as well yeah i like that i like that idea of color coding that would and that would really appeal to some people in the way they search and sort. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. And because and this is the thing like and we sort of even di- we didn't really go into it with the books, but you know, how do you how do you categorize your books and what order do you put them in so that you can find them? There there was a discussion recently on uh, in our professional organizers industry association Facebook group where we're all talking about the home edits method of lib- of, of rainbow sorting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were quite a lot of us that were like, well, no, because if I'm looking for a cookbook, I don't remember what colour the spine is. I remember what it's called. And so, you know, it's not really practical. And I think that, you know, the order that you put your books in on your shelf is important for that speed of retrieval. So if you do love it by colour uh, and you think by colour, then it would work. But if you think by um, the chef's name, or the author's name, you would put it in that order. Or if you remember it by title, you would put it in that order. Or if you um, prefer not to have them necessarily in a specific order, but just grouped by genre, then you can group them uh, by genre as well. And so you do the same thing with your clippings as you would with your books and group them in a way that makes sense to you. Mm. Yep, that, that definitely would work. So I've seen these recipe cards and boxes and it kind of throws me back to my nana's house I remember way back kind of early 80s she had some I'm pretty sure it was even like a Tupperware box with tab dividers or something like that you mm. can still find some really cool retro and yeah, vintage I've seen some. recipe mm. recipe card holders and boxes in um secondhand stores but there's like this been this resurgence. I say that maybe I'm just more aware of them now. Maybe they never went away, but there are some really beautiful recipe card holders and boxes out there now. Um, mm-hmm. My only thought is the cards are relatively small, and so you're more yeah. likely going to have to write your recipe onto the card that stick your clipping on there. Um, yeah. So if you are not the person that would be willing to sit down and handwrite out the recipe after you've clipped it out and then file the recipe card into your box and then search for the recipe mm. in that order, then it's not for you. But if you're really methodical or love that idea of being, you know, um, having all your recipes on little cards in a in a sweet little box, then that's a good option too, I think. It would keep you very yeah. organised. Yeah, and it would look nice. Yeah, it would look great. So then when we're talking about loose ones, there is also just your, the good old filing cabinet or file boxes um, or tubs as well. So you can actually just use those suspension files to, or manila folders inside suspension files to group your clippings um, as well. So you mentioned a binder, Beck. Will you ever grow out of your binder? 
that's my my thought always I guess it's like a, a notebook or a scrapbook as well um, if you acquire more clippings than you have room for would you let yourself get a second binder or would you just nah. go through and cull I'm not cooker I'm not a big enough cook so I would say that there would be enough there that I don't use anymore that I would mm-hmm. be willing to part with to keep it down yeah mm-hmm. so I can't I mean I've got in your buy and your display book for the current lot and like I don't like by display book I mean you know those tiny little spined ones that um not a binder so ah, I really okay. don't have that many anyway mm-hmm. one thing I could do is preempt mix display book falling apart and buy a binder and put them both in the one because mm-hmm. um, that would definitely all fit in one binder and then just have a divider between his and mine. So that's something I could do, get something a little bit sturdier. But uh, no, I would I would probably, and me being me anyway, I prefer not to outgrow my boundaries. Mm-hmm. But I think that just because I don't cook enough, there'll be plenty of recipes that I've I've kept that I might that I've kept because I used to cook or that I might cook one day that I could probably get rid of. Mm-hmm. And I could possibly get rid of any that I know off by heart as well. Mm. I think for binders and also files as well, it would be good to set yourself a bit of a limit so that you don't uh, keep expanding and outgrow them. So if you've got um, files, then maybe you limit yourself to the top drawer of your filing cabinet maybe if it's binders you say you won't have any more than two one for savory one for sweet and if you you know find that they're getting too full then you go through and cull them rather than adding a new binder because Mm. that's that's where the problems can start is because binders can get bulky if you get enough of them and same with you know files and that kind of thing so setting some kind of limit about how much you've got would be handy I've got several clients who have mass, masses of clippings and binders waiting for the clippings to go into mm-hmm. and they've never got around to doing it. So that's another thing to consider as well is how much work are you willing to put into this and try and find a method that you have the least amount of resistance to as possible so that you actually get it done instead of it hanging around waiting for you to do because it's sort of they're not much use if they're in the – um if they're just still in their piles waiting to be put in a binder. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. The other option you could use, and this is something I've done as well, is use an online app. And there's some really awesome ones out there now. I'll list off a couple in case you want to take a note. Um, One of them is called Paprika or Paprika, depending on which part of the planet you come from. My Recipe Book, there's one called Big Oven, there's Yumly, there's Cookmate. And look, some of them come with add-ons, some are free, some are paid, uh, some come with meal planning options and shopping list options. Uh, but you can, if you Google or just enter into your internet browser, um, best recipe book apps, there's a lot of sites that will offer comparisons and reviews of the different apps and so you can find what you're looking for. But so when I did my, I mentioned last week how I culled a whole lot of recipe books Um, when they were stored up at the top of my kitchen and I couldn't reach them before we moved again. And what I did, I knew that there were some recipes in some of those books that I loved um, and I was kind of resistant to letting go of the whole book because I had my favourite, whatever, lemon chicken recipe in this book. So what I did was I converted those few recipes that I loved into an online app so that I wouldn't lose them, but then I could give the rest of the book or the whole book away 
knowing mm. I'd kept that that one or two recipe that I really loved from that book. So that's a good option too. Yeah. Um, I also, for a while, stored m- my recipes, the ones that I'd taken photos of or I had saved off the internet on Evernote. So you can also like clip things to like Evernote or Google Keep or there's several different apps that you can do that for as well to save a copy of it. Or you can either just save the link to the the page itself or you can save the actual page um, as an image and then you can store them on those kinds of of apps as well. So they're, they're not... They're not just specifically designed for recipes, so they don't have all of those extra bits. They're like a digital filing cabinet, basically. Mm-hmm. So if we've inspired people to declutter, we've talked about organising what they have, but if people feel really motivated now to actually let go, how would you go? Let's think of of books maybe first. I guess it could yeah. apply to books or clippings, but but how would you go about decluttering them? How would you go about uh, decluttering them? <laughs> I think you need to first know what you've got. And like I said before, some clients have found duplicates as we've been going through them and they had no idea they had duplicates. So one of the problems I think that we have with our cookbooks is that they are often scattered in different places. So get them all together, grab them all together and see you know, exactly what you have. I mean, obviously, if you've got 700 of them, you're not going to be able to do that easily. But if you've got um, a reasonable amount or a, a feasible amount to kind of put them all in the one spot, do that first. Yeah. And maybe um, put them into categories might be an easy way to to start the sort. Either, yeah. um, you know, baking in one area, pickling and fermenting in one area, family meals, um, if you've got special diet ones, um, you know, try and group them somehow just to kind of get a handle. If you've got, you know, um, five books that are general entertaining, but you've got 15 recipe books that are based around baby food and kids snack food it's good to get a bit of a grasp on how big your category areas are um, mm. before you start making decisions i think as well you can compare those the size of those categories to how big that category is in your life mm-hmm. so like you were saying if you've got this, um, a whole pile of cooking for kids ones and your kids are teenagers now and are quite set in what they will and won't eat or you know what they will and won't eat and you've got all you know everything down pat then that part of your life that catering specifically to your children part of your life is now quite small whereas if the category if the pile of books is quite large you've got a little a bit of a um imbalance there and that could be something that you that could highlight an area we could declutter in yeah well and similarly i know for a long time i was drawn to like entertaining like proper fancy pants dinner party books and then I realized like I have I don't know a handful of dinner parties every year tops but I had more books than I had dinner parties (laughs) you know and (laughs) yeah and quite often other you had other cookbooks that would still give you stuff that you could make at dinner yeah. parties and quite if you often, did have a dinner party. If I had a dinner party, I wanted to go with something that I knew I could do and that yeah. I knew would be would turn out rather than finding something new. So I, a lot of those um, dinner party ones, and because a lot of them were quite complex, were the ones I was gravitating towards anyway, and I just thought that's okay. That's not me. That's not how I entertain. So Yeah, you'd rather be in the go. thick of it but than it's funny. in the kitchen you the don't, whole time. 
I feel like when you see them scattered amongst other books and other recipe mm. books, you don't quite um, see how big the problem can have become until you start yeah. seeing them in yeah, piles exactly. in their categories. Yep. Mm. And then there'll be phases of life that you're no longer in. So you went through your gluten-free thing phase because you were trying to see whether or not that was going to change, you know, a health symptom that you had for a while or you decided to be, you know, to, to do keto for a while and you no longer do, those kinds of things that, that might you might go in and out of in your life. Uh, if you have gone out of it, then it'll be easy for you to identify that when they're all grouped together. If you've eliminated the categories that you no longer use or want, then maybe look at the categories you've got left and see if you can just choose one favourite um, or mm. one that you regularly use and turn to to start, maybe just one from each category. Um, or or maybe you could limit yourself and say, I'll choose one from each of the categories I know I'll use in future. So if you've got a big book on fermenting food but you're not 100% sure that you'll ever get around to that, then maybe you can move that category aside. But I would start with your your favourites or your go-tos and people that cook a lot will know their go-tos mm. um, and just start with that and see how big that pile is because maybe one from every category is still 15 cookbooks, you know. Mm. Um, so and maybe one from every category is not enough for you, you know. Mm. Uh, one of my favourite methods of decluttering is to pick a boundary, surprise, surprise, and decide how much space you're going to allocate to cookbooks and then starting with your favourites, you put them all in until it's full and then whatever doesn't fit has to go or maybe have their favourites di digitised and then go or something like that. But that boundary, you know, how much space are you willing to allocate to cookbooks and then set your boundary there. I think one thing you've got to do too with cookbooks, we talked about how quite often they can be gifts and sometimes people buy you cookbooks that are not the type that you would buy for yourself. Give yourself permission to let them go. Um, let go of also the bonus books, the ones that uh, I call them bonus books, the ones that come with your kitchen appliances. You know, See, they're the ones I tend to use. <laughs> Uh, my Thermomix one, I, I quite use that. Well, I, th um, I feel so. like that's quite specific, though, because mm, it's a unique way I of cooking. I suppose the one that comes with the stick blender, I think you can probably. <laughs> yeah, and that's your just, zucchini yeah. or your spiralizer, like 100 ways with spiralized <laughs> zucchini. No, I don't need that anymore. Even the, like my slow cooker recipe book, I think I used it a couple of times and then I was like, okay, I get the hang of this. Mm, I don't need Yeah. I don't need that anymore. I mentioned last week my yogurt making phase that I'm currently in. Mm. I got bonus books with my yogurt maker and with the cultures that I have bought for ah. uh, making the yogurt. So, so you're drowning in yogurt making recipe yeah, books. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like the, the recipe I'm using is in none of those. So they all got tossed <laughs> um, anyway because I found a different recipe that I wanted to use. So Th mm. Those kind of bonus books, especially because quite often they're like in the style of pamphlets, little skinny things, mm. and you just throw them in. How about we just throw them out instead? <laughs> yes. Mm. I think one of the things to quietly remind yourself to do is to maybe don't keep an entire book just for one recipe. And I think this is where I am a bit guilty 
of I think that a couple of my books have got one or two favourite recipes in them that, you know, I could probably part with the book quite easily because I only use those two, but I've, you know, I've hung on to it. So maybe just gently remind yourself that you could save yourself some space by, you know, reducing the number of books you have um, that only have one recipe in them that you use. The other thing you can do is ask yourself if you can remember the last time you cooked from that recipe book. Yep. And for a lot of us, you won't yeah, be able me, to think. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> um, Can't remember. Yeah. yeah. And then ask yourself, okay, would I be willing to find something to cook from it this week or this fortnight? And if you have a look in there and you think, oh, no, it's all too complex, well, chances are you're probably not ever going to cook. Like if it doesn't fit in your life this week, it's probably not going to fit in your life in a year. So, you know, sometimes we just have to get a bit bit real with ourselves. And, you know, the thing is cookbooks are valued by people. Um, People will love them and people will use them. So it's not Mm. about just putting them in the bin. There's a lot of places you can send cookbooks if you are no longer using them. Yeah, definitely donate. Definitely, you know, give away on your local buy, sell, swap group. Um, put it into your local neighbourhood library. You know, there's lots and lots of places that you can send recipe books that aren't the bin for sure. Yeah. And with your clippings, I think a lot of the similar principles apply. You could sort them by category, look at what you've got. A lot of people, when faced with the the task of sorting their clippings into categories or piles, will probably prefer to just take them all and put them in the recycling because it seems <laughs> too laborious uh, and mm-hmm. mind-numbing to go through. Um, but if you're, you really want to keep them, just go through and weed them out. Keep the best and let the rest go. Um, and, and be realistic. There will always be more recipes to clip. Um, yes, that's so, the thing. They're not going to stop coming in. Mm. So you know you're not you aren't going to find yourself completely bereft of recipes if you get rid of all of your clippings and scraps. Mm. So how we need to move forward th- with this is probably try and get intentional and start slowing down the collecting of recipes. So we have to do that very very difficult thing. <laughs> which is practice appreciating food and (laughs) recipe books and recipes without acquiring them. Mm. Stand in the store and touch it and feel it and have a little look through it and then put it down and walk away. Maybe you shouldn't touch it. Maybe that's going to make you want to buy it. But, you know, appreciate it or appreciate it on other people's shelves. Um, That's another thing you can do as well is, you know, borrow and share cookbooks with friends you know mm. pass them back and forth and around each other you'll have a you know a nice big pool without having to store the whole lot yeah absolutely also think about trying before you buy if there's a book that you're really uh, lusting after um, usually you can go online and have a look inside the book first there's usually mm. a few sample pages and have a look at how complex the recipes are or the types of ingredients used I have bought books online by a celebrity chef who I thought was fantastic and then got their recipe books home and went uh I'm not that's way that is way beyond what I'm capable of and I will never Uh. have all those ingredients they're not pantry staples of mine at all 
So, um, but I didn't look in the book before I bought it. I just was like, oh, I know yeah, that like chef. You like that chef. Yeah. yeah exactly. Um, so see if you can find it online and try it out first or um, go online and have a look at people's reviews because people are quite vocal online about mm. recipe books and whether they found them good or hard to work with or whatever. So try and see if you can try before you buy. And, of course, use the old one-in-one-out rule. So once you have your your healthy amount, the amount that you think is you know, really helpful for you, it's not too many that it's taking up too much space, but it's not too few that you don't have the recipes you need, um, practice the one-in-one-out rule. So you know, when you are shopping and you see that beautiful cookbook, you have to ask yourself which one at home is going to have to go to make room for it, uh, which will slow down the collecting a little bit, I think. So, Beck, do you think you have a favourite recipe book out of the ones you own? Yeah, I I do, even though I don't really use it much anymore. And I've converted a couple of the recipes to Thermomix, which I've then handwritten and stuck in my my display book. But I do like my Donna Hay off the shelf because I think anything Donna Hay does because it's just so simple and fast. You know, mm-hmm. some of these recipes are just so fast. You know, she's got this um, baked pumpkin risotto, which is one of my favourite things ever to cook because it's you don't have to stand and stir it, which I know you like about risotto. But the thing I like about this risotto is that it comes out as though you've stirred it <laughs> for an hour, but you actually haven't. She's That's an old favourite. That's probably the book I've had the longest is my off-the-shelf. I got that like, I don't know, 20 years ago maybe. Mm-hmm. And um, I've yeah used that a lot. That's a very dirty book, that one. What's your favourite book? Um, so... Probably that one I mentioned last week, The Silver Spoon, the Italian Mm. um, all-encompassing book. I love that. The other one I use, which I would have never said was a favourite, it's not the prettiest, but in terms of the amount of things I cook out of it and keep cooking out of it, it was um, Jamie Oliver. Oh, gosh, now I can't even think of what it's called. It's the one about – I might be 15. It was the one he did when he did the restaurant with the 15 kids ah, okay. in London. I'll yep. find I'll find a link to it. I'll put it in the show notes. But I have cooked – and that's one of those – that was the book that taught me how to make a basic risotto. And so then now I make risotto yep. with every variety of ingredients because it taught me the basic recipe. The basic I think I know the one you mean. I reckon I've got that one. And he actually has photos in it of the of the people that he's got. Yeah. Like the people that have got working with him. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember what that one is, but I reckon I've got the same one. And I have, you know, made a couple out of that one as well. Mm. But and my my sister gave me that one. Like I said, she went through like I've never been interested in Jamie Oliver, but she was, so she decided to buy me all of the Jamie mm-hmm. Oliver cookbooks. And I actually have used them. And then there's another Jamie Oliver one that I've used a few times, which is the like it's the that the cheap meal, the no, the is it the 20-minute or the 15-minute, oh, yeah. 10-minute dinners or something? Yeah. Like anything that's fast, I'm attracted to. So I think I actually bought that one myself. Yeah, so I think we, we might even actually be talking about the same book. But yeah. yeah. Okay, so w- we would actually love to know what your favourite recipe book is, if you can pick a favourite out of all of your children on the shelf. So come and join us in our Facebook community group and we can have a little chat about book uh, recipe books and decluttering and cooking and all that kind of stuff and we will see you here again next week thanks for joining us we'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered 
If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or on social media or on our own websites at rebeccamazino.com.au and basklifecoaching.com.